everyone, and welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners, here with the absolute best podcast team in the world to talk about um, what customers can do to ensure that they have successful uh, success factors implementation projects. So with me today, we have Jarrett Pazahanik. It's been a while, Jarrett. Thanks for coming back. Glad to be back. Yeah. Um, and we have Luke Marson and Martin Gillette. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Hi Steve. You know, we've we've sort of talked about this subject in, in previous podcasts and, you know, maybe from different angles. I know Jarrett and I have talked about it from a very payroll-specific perspective. But, um, you know, what I'd like to do is, is talk about, you know, from our experience, um, what can customers do to ensure they have successful projects? And, you know, we've, we've been doing projects, all of us, for uh, quite a while now. And, you know, one of the things that I tell people is that um, that we learn from our mistakes, right? And by, um, you know, if you don't make those mistakes, then you're, you're not learning, right? So, um, you know, I've seen things that don't work well in projects, and I've seen things that really do work well in projects. And so you stop doing the things that don't work, and you keep doing the things that do work. And, uh, and I think that, you know, no one's going to be perfect on a project. So I just want to put that out there for now. All right. And so joining us now, um, we uh, were able to get Brandon Tooms in on the conversation. So, hey, Brandon, welcome to the podcast and looking forward to, uh, to your perspective on this, too. Hey, thank, thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. All right. So, so Luke, what would you say? We'll, we'll start off with you. What would you say are a few things that um, customers can do to make sure they have a successful project? Well, it's a famous saying, but failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So I couldn't recommend enough that customers really plan properly from the start. Even before you have even began thinking about partner is beginning to understand what is required of you from the project. Um, what What is the What's the partner going to do? What, what do you have to do? What are your responsibilities? What are the roles you need? What are the resources you need? How much time do they need? Um, start on data cleansing and cleanup and prep for data migration. These are all things that, that are really important. Um, they have to get these things right at the start. Um, I've worked on, on too many projects where the customer team has been under-resourced as well. And I think that's a, that's a really important key is to understand, as I said, who, who are you going to need for what roles at the start and then finding those people. Some of them are going to be in the organization. Some are going to be outside the organization. Some might be able to come through an implementation partner. Some you might have to go and look at specialists. Mm -hmm. So I guess those are the things that I would start off with that, that, that customers should really be considering um, from the very from from the very start of them even beginning to understand um, and make the decision about what software they're going to go with, and even if they're going to go with something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the the things I've run into with that, Luke, is you know, I've had uh, customers ask me, well how do we know what data to cleanse and, you know, how do we know what our roles should be? So I, I think that if a customer hasn't done a project like this in a while, they sometimes they have no idea, right, what to do. Um, 
And that, that's where I think personally that it can pay to have sort of some pre-implementation consulting. And I've done this for a, a few customers where I've done some pre-implementation consulting. I didn't end up doing the, the implementation project, but I did the pre-implementation consulting so that they could have a, a good understanding of, of, of what this is going to look like, how to resource it, what things to start looking at. And, um, you know, that kind of gets me to, to one thing I was going to say that I found successful is to have a um, sort of have a portfolio of consultants or consulting firms through your project. Um, I think that it's not necessarily a good thing to have the same consultant or the same consulting firm through the whole life of, of a project. It's good to get multiple perspectives. Um, for example, um, you know, I, I've played that role on some projects where I've come in and, you know, during the uh, closeout of the sort of build phase, right? When we, when you start transitioning into end-to-end -end testing, I come in and, and do an audit and say, okay, here's what looks good and people don't really care what looks good. They just want to um, understand what doesn't look good, right? And, you know, that's been successful. I did that for a, a state government and found some things that uh, were being overlooked that they just didn't know about. So, um, you know, it, it saved them and they were able to recover and have, have a good project after that. So I think, you know, some pre-implementation consulting, I've seen that help and, and also having a sort of a portfolio of firms. And I've always told customers that if, um, you know, if your main consulting firm doesn't want to have other consultants in, then that's kind of a bad sign. Because if, uh, if another firm comes in and has a better way of doing something, then you're, everyone's going to learn and everyone's going to benefit from this. So my opinion, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I, I want to jump in on this point because this is fresh in my mind from this week. Um, uh, so we are actually uh, getting a quality check from success factors on our project, uh, one of my projects uh, mm -hmm. this week, which is excellent. Uh, it's They've got a good group of, of, of folks looking things over. Um, and I just wish this was that more customers uh, would demand this um, because I think it's a really good way to make sure that uh, uh, that the health of the, the system is adequate. And um, I also found out this week that the success factors uh, group has their own kind of checklist for here are the best practices. Uh, this is separate from the leading practices documentation that's publicly available. Um, and you know, it, it's a little bit frustrating to me because I think that it would be uh, that everyone would be very, uh, well served if the whatever the criteria is that they think are our best practices that they're using for their health checks, why don't they just publish those up front and then then everybody can kind of uh, um, uh, match those and 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 it's really um, it was just ironic because I was uh, getting on this health health check uh, with success factors where they were you know uh, they had a really good team um, and we started uh, looking through uh, the, the system that we had set up for this particular client then. Um, right after that, I had another call with another client where I was starting doing the health check, but it was a health check that's been, uh, you know, 10 months after go live and things have kind of gone mm -hmm. off the rails. Mm -hmm. And it's just so frustrating because it's like if we if these health checks were happening early on in the process um, and, and these were things that that success factors is actually demanding for from all of its partners that they all have a health check um, from a third party that would make a huge difference in making sure that that these uh, failed implementations never take place in the first place. True. 
True. Yeah, Jarrett, what's your perspective on that? I know that you've done that well, before, too. Yeah, Brandon just brought up a good point of, you know, success factors demanding anything of their partners is a real joke because, you know, you see how they've tried to demand and, pre- and pressure, you know, the Accentures and Deloitte's of the world to have professionally certified consultants. And I saw something yesterday that Accenture has like two in North America. So obviously the big vendors, the big SIs are going to do what they want. And, and I, I totally agree with what Brandon said. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's going to have to be customers demanding that. And and one thing that I noticed is I couldn't agree more with you, Steve, on the front side of it. A lot of this stuff, a lot of projects start down the road of failure when the statement of work is signed. Yeah. The statement of work often by some of these SIs is just generic, very, it's a boilerplate document that even if your project is the biggest train wreck ever, you won't win a lawsuit because they've made sure on the racy chart that you're really responsible for everything. And they've put very loose verbiage in like, um, we will deliver standard delivered garnishments out of the box or standard delivered taxes out of the box, which doesn't work for any U.S. customer. And so there's things like that that customers don't know what they don't know, but yet it's a bit on them, too, that they can't go into these relationships just trusting what their sales rep told them, trusting what success factors said. They really need to bring on that, that expert prior to sort of get them aligned before they sign on the dotted line. And in some cases, before they even choose their vendor. Um, you know, we all work in this SAP and success factors world, but maybe that's not the right fit for all, all the customers. Although we definitely would hope it would be for a majority of them, especially the ones coming from SAP. So that's, that's a real gap that I see right there, you know, and, and a lot of the other things we've talked about before, Steve, are interview every single consultant that comes on your team. Uh, I've worked many projects, brought in a sort of a, an individual QA oversight, uh, and one thing I notice is that there's good people at all the big consulting firms and, and success factors, professional services, but equally, there's just as many bad people as well. So just because you go with a brand name or even a niche provider, there's no guarantee that the person that you're going to get has the that you need. And one of the things I find is customers are, are not quick enough to get rid of consultants. They sort of feel like, well, that person hasn't answered any of my questions and they're not responding to my email, but it'll get better. Trust me, it will never get better. Once you once you start to have those those feelings of this person really doesn't know or they're contradicting themselves, uh, they're not responsive, those are all traits that are gonna, gonna cost you a lot of money if you continue on. And I get the feeling sometimes that customers are like, well, this person understands our business and they've been around for six months and you know, you know, we're not going to get anyone better. And I think that a lot of times you don't realize the damage that that consultant has done until you get into testing and you start facing delays. And now all of a sudden, these one or two bad consultants are costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars a month having to keep a whole team of other consultants on while you work through these issues. So there is a real cost if, if customers don't do these things on the front side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good points. All good points. So, um, you know, another another question I sort of have for the group, I sort of have my own um, view on this, but what, what's what's the group's opinion on uh, the consulting firm bringing junior consultants on to the project also? You know, we, we know that we need senior consultants, but um, what, what do you think about, you know, if the consulting firm says, well, I'm going to put uh, a junior on the project too? I'll just chime in real quick and then I'll let the others, but I'm not opposed to that at all as long as that's how they're positioned. All too often what I see is 
legitimately junior consultants or consultants with no experience in the area. I can't tell you how many times big SIs or even at SuccessFactors Professional Services has tried to say, oh, we have an ECP expert. And when I do a technical interview, it turns out the person has EC expertise. So my, my, my thing is, is we all started off learning. Some of us learned as on the fly and in very painful ways that I would not recommend. But I think just a lot of times these consultants are, are sold as, as they're the lead when where they really don't have those lead skills. It, it, I wish SuccessFactors had more of a, a model where every project had to be led by a SuccessFactors professionally certified consultant. And then obviously junior consultants or associate certified consultants could um, work on that project, but there'd be some very, very clear understanding from the customer of what they were getting and what they were paying for. Because as you and I have talked before, Steve, a good consultant and a great consultant and a bad consultant, typically in most cases, all bill about the same billable rate. So <laughs> I hear some people say, you pay for what you get. Well, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of cases where people are paying a lot of money and they're not getting anything close to the Yeah, I'm also not opposed to juniors being on projects. Um, uh, to reiterate what, uh, what, what Jarrett said, yeah, we all had to learn at some point. And I remember the first engagements I were on, um, it was made very clear to the customer that I was a junior. Um, and I, in fact, uh, on the first project, I was given away for free. On the second project, I was at a reduced rate. I think by the third project, I was starting to be um, invoiced out um, you know, at a closer, at closer to the full rate, um, be, you know, because I'd, I'd, I'd gained a significant amount of experience at that time. So, you know, customers need to need need to, you know, be aware that you know there's there shouldn't be a stigma attached to using juniors, and it's totally fine. But you know, they should be paying um, the right amount for that level of experience, mm -hmm. and just understand what they're doing as well, because they might you might. You know, you might say, "Oh, it's fine having this this junior on here, and I pay less." But then, if they are, you know, configuring tax tables in your payroll system and they don't know anything about it, yeah, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna end well. <laughs> so true. it's gotta yeah, you gotta gotta get the balance right. Yeah, indeed, um, indeed, Luke. Um, on the other side, people also often neglect to have visibility and also to understand, just like Jared said, what they're paying for. So you need to have a tangible result of what will actually be delivered. And it's fine to have juniors on board as long as you know that they're junior, that they're willing to learn, and then they're willing to go for the extra miles for the uh, global objective. On the side also, for the uh, SI firms, they should not underestimate or neglect the cost and especially the time uh, regarding training. So too often you see people just graduated maybe from university that have a fair basic understanding of a business process have no uh, experience whatsoever to uh, an ERP or to a generic process, and they're being actually unleashed on projects. So probably it's a little bit more regarding the governance uh, from either side, from SI and customer, because at the end of the day, we're on the same boat and we have the same destination. Uh, but voila, so that's, that's probably too complicated. There are many parameters, but they need to take the holistic view, the helicopter view, and to apprehend all those parameters together for a successful delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all learn. We all get better, right? Or at least we should. Um, well, we learn every day. I mean, Jared said we learn sometimes the hard way, but 
I mean, speaking for myself, um, if I don't learn, keep, I mean, keep on learning, I mean, life will be boring and I'll be moving on to something else. Fact is, I've been around with ACP for 22 years uh, and you still discover stuff, new opportunities, you know, acquisition, new people, new challenges. So this is the thrilling part, uh, you know, regarding the, uh, the job that we do every day. Mm-hmm. And of course, we shouldn't sometimes see stuff that we see. But that's also the way we learn the hard way that you shouldn't go that path or we shouldn't go that way. And then we can also advise the customer on what not what not to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that sometimes people can also get stubborn and they still, you know, want to proceed. And then you hate to say so. But six months after you would say, OK, guys, I told you so. This is exactly what I wanted to avoid. Yeah. I, I always say that a consultant should always have to support their work in a production environment. Because until you see it live in production, you don't know if what you did was all that good or not. I mean, it can go through QA testing and end testing and parallel testing if you're doing payroll. And, and it can look fine. But until you actually road test it and see how it works in the wild, you really don't know what you did was good or not. And, you know, I've definitely encountered that over the years where I thought, man, this is a good solution. And we put it in and... And it is—it's not so good. And then we learn, right? But I, if, I don't care. If I, I wouldn't have seen that, that, if I wouldn't have seen it in a production system, I would have never known that. So I would have just gone and made that mistake at multiple clients after that. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of that, Steve. Sorry, I've seen a lot of that, Steve, as well. Like where the consultants say, you know, most projects have two weeks of hypercare or whatever they call it, and the consultants leave because. These folks want to go on and work on other big billable projects and they made major mistakes and then they continue to make those mistakes at each client they go to. So I go for a lot of cleanup activities. I can pretty much go to any client and see four or five things that I know are most likely wrong and at most customers they are. And so at the end of the day, I I think that I've learned more over the years doing production support and staying on projects of you know, or even when I started off, mistakes I made, I thought I did things perfect. And then yeah. later on, I'm solving my own issues and support. I'm like, okay, I'll never make that mistake again. And, and that's and that's an area that I see, see you know, uh, mm-hmm. runs pretty rampant in our ecosystem. Sure. So, Brandon, I've got a, a question. Um, how, how long do you think folks, customers should count on uh, to stabilize their system after go live? You know, Jarrett mentioned two weeks of hypercare. That doesn't seem like enough, but... I mean, what should be realistic when customers do their planning? Because, you know, you don't want resources to roll off and consultants to roll off, or you want them to be available for a certain period of time, right? But, I mean, what do you think would be, um, you know, what's a guideline? What do you think? Uh, from from my perspective, particularly looking at it from an EC perspective, uh, I, you know, the idea of rolling on, you know, rolling off or or uh, on off because we're already all working on multiple engagements anyway, um, really the best approach I've seen being successful, obviously it'd be great if we could just be uh, sitting there doing production support for two months or three months, um, but budgets really don't uh, don't allow for that these days. So the best way to do things, in my opinion, is really think about maybe doing a bank of hours for after go live and have those extending out three months. But the expectation is that it's just going to be uh, after that maybe first couple of weeks of hyper care where there's kind of devoted set time. Instead, it's going to be something that's a little bit more open ended. And uh, that will that allows you to see those other errors or issues that are percolating. Um, and also to make sure that those areas that we thought that the that the knowledge 
wireless transfer was successful in, but maybe there's some some uh, lingering questions that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's always nice, and I and I really like it when I can have uh, a little bit more of a longer term relationship with my with my clients because that way I, uh, as you said, it it I really benefit from it as well because I can see kind of long term what those decisions that we made, uh, were they re- truly the, the right ones? And we, did we come up with the right outcome? So I, I love it when uh, we do it that way. I just think that probably most of the time you need to just think about just a small, small set of hours over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think Brandon, one of the one of the fallacies that most customers, or one of the things that just doesn't happen on most projects, is knowledge transfer. That's the you know you get into the testing cycle, you know things are falling behind. Hey, we we might have to delay or go live, and what's the first thing that gets cut? True knowledge transfer. It's all hands on deck to get this project live on the time frame. Um, a lot of times there are delays as well. So I think the knowledge transfer is an area that customers have to push. Consulting firms are all more willing to walk out the door because they realize. This customer will, you know, will have to come back to me if they need additional help. But the one thing I wanted to man- mention that I hadn't talked about a little bit is during your project, I think customers really have to micromanage the engagement, especially at key times along the project. And what I always recommend is a daily 30-minute meeting with all the key players because what I've seen all too often is you say, well, you have that done by the end of the week, and the person says yes, and then by the end of the week it's not done. And it goes into the next week and all of a sudden, you know, on these big complex projects that have, you know, multiple areas of success factors and, and, and ECP and it's a more of a big bang approach, all these decisions all interconnect at one point. When you get to parallel payroll, you need to have all these various pieces working and interfaces. And if any one of them is a critical path that's not done, now you have a huge project delay and big issues. And so to me, it's just it's it's going in realizing, hey, we are going to hold people accountable, whether it be on the client team, whether it be on the consulting team. You might feel a little uncomfortable because this is maybe not how our business culture is, but these projects are important. These projects are complex, and and I just and and where I see those meetings, people say I don't have time, and it comes back to I think a great point that Luke made is that a lot of times these projects are sold as being very simplistic. And a lot of times the complexity is undersold, both from the business wanting to transform their business, as well as from SAP and success factors. And, you know, real change and really looking at your processes that might be 15 or 20 years old and three or four employees ago are difficult. And people don't really know how their business works today. And to do all that takes a lot of time. And I just, I see a lot of my, the mo- my most successful customers have had a dedicated project team where they've backfilled their old roles for them. And the ones I think that I've found that have been not as successful are the ones that just are requiring their people to work overtime to do the project work. And it just, it ends up costing them a lot more money at the end of the day when it's all said and done. Good points. Yeah, and I'll just uh, echo that that last sentiment. Um, I think the number one uh, reason for delay that I've seen on my projects is just is not because the design is taking so long. It's that the the internal team just has too many commitments, particularly if you have multiple modules going on at the same time, and they just they just can't get everything decided, and the knowledge transfer and the deci- and uh, all the change management and the things that go along with a with a major project. So you know that's one thing to really keep in mind is is really zero in and manage uh, to what your internal staff can actually handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you guys heard that saying that um, 
if you don't have the time to do it right now, what makes you think you'll have the time to do it right later or to fix it later? I think my dad pulled that on me when I was a kid on the farm. Um, do it, do it the right way now, and then you don't have to come back later and fix it. So, um, I think there's a lot of truth to that with projects. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of pressure to meet deadlines. And so, um, you know, you got to manage that. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to fix it later. Right, Steve? I mean, sure. it does. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I always, I used a saying this week, but it's like trying to change the tires, uh, you know, on a NASCAR when it was moving, that is a lot more difficult. And so once, a, once you're live, Solving some issues, especially when it comes to, you know, EC, ECP, integration, things like that, it, it is a lot more complex uh, when, when you're actually live. So do it right the first time and train your people right to support it as best as possible and, and take Brandon's approach of getting a pool of hours from an expert out there. And, you know, I think it doesn't have to be hard. You know, this stuff, we've all been doing it for 20 plus years, this isn't rocket science, you know, even though it is, there could be some stuff complex if you haven't done it before, nothing is that complex that, that your average person at an organization can't learn. Yep. Well, Luke, what are some other ideas that you have? I know you've, you've done a lot of implementations with success factors too. So what else, what are we, what are we missing? Uh, one of the things is that customers should make, um, should make a thorough review of the statement of work prior to signing any statement of work, mm -hmm. um, especially um, to 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 jump onto the, the comment just made about getting an expert in. Um, you, I think you should be getting an expert in at the start to help you some of the planning stuff. But the, the SOW is very important because it's going to determine um, how the project runs, what the roles and responsibilities are, but also what the partner's actually doing. Um, I think Jarrett's had quite a few um, uh, experiences with SOWs at his customers not containing key functionality, mm -hmm. and then that having to be changed or ordered later just to get the standard system. So the customer thinks they're paying for um, you know, employee central payroll, but they're paying for everything except for the employee central payroll user interface, which is payroll control center, as a common example of something that's missed and then has a big cost later that wasn't budgeted for, but it's something that you absolutely need. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a number of different things that need to be reviewed because once you sign that, that statement of work, that's the contract. That's mm -hmm. the contract of who is doing what, what's being delivered, what the deliverables are, what the sign-offs are, and customers need to make sure they're protected so that they're not signing a heavily one-sided document that puts all the work on them and all the reward on the partner. Okay, so a lot of great ideas here up, up to this point. Um, I guess one thing that we haven't talked about is the project methodology. I mean, is I think different firms have their own methodologies, and um, you know, I'm I'm kind of agnostic to the methodology. I think you should have one, and you should follow it. Um, but you know, are there certain things about methodology that make a difference? So, I mean, Brandon, what's your perspective on that? Yes, there there are definitely a lot of things that uh, that go into making a good methodology for implement uh, implementing, uh, particularly in a cloud environment. It's much broader topic than I think we wanted that we want to try to cover uh, in depth right now uh, on this podcast. I'd love to do that on a on a subsequent podcast. But the only point I would make is. Uh, as you're deciding between different SIs, um, 
ask them about their methodology. Um, not only what are the steps, but have them articulate what is the value of their methodology. What are the what uh, are they bringing to the table uh, in the way that they're doing things? I know that there's a officially a, a success factors uh, activate methodology, but there's a wide latitude in how it works. So you know that would be the one piece that I would kind of drill uh, drill in on as part of this discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to add is, you know, methodologies are great, and I definitely support those. And just understand maybe the methodology for EC payroll might be different than the methodology for EC uh, due to several factors. But at the end of the day, common sense has to prevail. So if you're a customer and you're SI saying, you know, you know, we cannot start one thing in Employee Central, for example, until every single workbook is signed off on, every single tab of the workbook doesn't make that that's not, that's not common sense. We're not going to hold up our project because you we've given you 97% of the requirements. You know, so there's some stuff in the the newer methodology that I've seen SIs really say we sign off on the workbook and then we do an iteration and that type of approach that doesn't pass the common sense test if if in in, in, a, in a practical sense. So just just make sure your your partners are willing to be flexible and 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 do the right thing and there's no reason why at various times of the project multiple issues be issues can be worked by the customer but also configuration and, and items can be happening from the technical team or the consulting team as well or your admin sure martin do you have anything you want to add on methodologies no i i mean just in a nutshell understand what you're getting out of it understand what's in it for you and then stick to the plan and perhaps also along provide some methodology to deliver so, for instance, within the Activate methodology, we could also use some uh, some methodology like Agile. So we could uh, define some uh, some sprints and stuff like that. So we can also cut the project into micro management, uh, micro deliverables mm -hmm. that will ease the breadcrumbs to go to live rather than waiting for this big freaking monster to go live and get delayed all the time. Big freaking monster. I like that. I've had some projects like that. I don't know about you guys. We all call right. it a gas factory. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone. You guys definitely are the best podcast team in the world. Um, appreciate the uh, perspective on this and on how to make projects more successful. And um, just want to remind listeners that, you know, you can find this podcast pretty much everywhere. Right. I don't know if there's a place you want to you want to subscribe to the podcast and we're not on there. Let me know and we'll get it there. Um, the latest one we added was Spotify. Hey, we're on Spotify and, and there's a subscribers on Spotify already to our podcast, guys. So pretty cool. Um, again, you can all find all the detail. You can find all the detail back at insightcp.com slash insights. You can see all of our good looking pictures, um, which is why we podcast instead of do a video. All right. Well, we will um, look forward to having another podcast here in the, the near future. And thanks to the whole team and thanks to our listeners too. We'll see you later. 